0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020, KDKA.
2: Todd Shibondi will be here talking Davy Tree, but she's talking organic gardening. Doug has gone fishing. Jessica Walliser is in the house today. It's 866-391-1020. Dollar access KDK.com. So spring planning is definitely underway. It should be anyway, right? And if you've got some questions about your gardening and things that you need to do as far as planning or keeping those critters out or anything when it comes to your landscape, keeping it healthy and organic, you need to call right now. All of our lines. Are available but one. So, some person, early bird gets the worm already. Getting ready to talk to uh, Jessica. That's K in the North Hills. Or is that the South? Yeah, North Hills. So, you can give us a call as well at 866 391 1020, Dollar Bank, instant access, kdk.com. You think if they were listening to this program, Jessica, they would know volcano mar- mulch is not a good thing to do people still trending, talking about it. Why do so many people do that when they know or at least have heard that it's not a healthy thing to do? Good morning.
0: Right. Good good morning. Good morning. I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser, and you're right. It is. And by volcano mulch, we basically mean when you pile that shredded bark mulch up around the base of a tree so it looks like the tree is growing out of the center of a a volcano. That's very bad for the health of the tree. It can lead to decay in the lower portion of the tree. It can lead to root girdling, which is one of the things we're going to talk about uh, with Todd Bondi from Davy tree uh in the second or uh yeah second segment uh third segment, was <laughs> like, wait, what time is it this morning it's too early is what it is, but anyway, yeah, I think and it's a shame because you still see landscapers doing this, and they should know better um This is a very bad practice that that continues and i I wish I had the answer, Rob, I wish I knew why people still did it it's really uh, bad for the health of your tree, so
2: you know, yeah and here's the thing too and it's it's about the health of the tree, but also it's about your pocketbook. Because I know many times that I've done it in the past, haven't done it in a long time, but even, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when I was doing it, it was expensive back then to get that favorite tree, bush, shrub, what have you. And if you do something that in the end, even by using the wrong mulch, and we've talked many times about how that rubber mulch is such a bad thing. You really are just throwing good money away, and you're also hurting the plants in the process. So it's really a lose lose situation.
0: It is, and sometimes you know, with a you know, when you do the volcano mulch, it's not immediate. It let it doesn't have any negative effects on the tree for sometimes three five. You know, eight years down the line, but then when you have this tree that is seemingly healthy and all of a sudden it starts to go into decline, that's certainly one of the possibilities because it does take so many years um, to take effect. So it's a shame that it still happens, but it does. Uh, But I would like to tell everybody about an event that I'm doing next Saturday, June 10th, and I would love for you to join me. I will be at uh, Garden Dreams Urban Farm and Nursery in Wilkinsburg, which is a great little place. They grow an incredible variety of tomatoes and peppers, all these great heirloom varieties I get my tomatoes from them every year, Um, and I'm going to be teaching a class there next Saturday on making a a hypertufa planter, and if you're not familiar with hypertufa, it's a really cool material uh, that's made from peat moss and uh, Portland cement and perlite, and it's a really light, it has a look of concrete, but it's really lightweight, uh, and you know, a lot of times you'll see them, it made into a trough and people will grow succulents in it or little cacti or something like that. But we're going to be making a bowl, a, a hypertufa bowl that's really a beautiful project, super fun. I'm going to teach you how to do it. You'll get to watch me make one so that you can go home and make one of your own. The cost of the class is only 10 bucks. It's at 10 a.m. next Saturday, June 10th. And you can call them at 412-501-FARM. That's 412-501-FARM. Three two seven six, or you can send them an, uh, an email and it's info at mygardendreams.com. That's info at mygardendreams.com. And I'd love to see you next Saturday for that class.
2: All right, listen, we're going to take the tenth caller right now to win that twenty five dollar gift certificate from Sorgals, and it is four one two nine two two ten twenty. Very quickly, I know Janoski's got their strawberries homegrown, ready to go, but talk about our local sponsors and why it's a good thing to get out and support them.
0: We are so lucky to have so many wonderful sponsors in this show, and we hope to all the listeners out there that as you go out and look for plants, you keep our sponsors in mind. And when you get there, you thank them uh, for supporting the show, because without them, we wouldn't be here on the on the program. And we know these are local nursery people. A lot of these um, women and men have been in this industry for their whole lives, or second and third generations. And they really know what they're talking about. They supply great quality plants. And you're going to find stuff there that you're not going to find at the big box stores. And they're going to be cared for properly at the local nurseries. And they're going to be able to give you great advice as well. Well, if you're looking to re-landscape a certain part of your garden and you're not really sure what plants to include, take a snapshot, take a picture on your phone and take it to a local nursery and garden center and say, hey, this is the place I have. What can you recommend that I plant here? And this is what these people are, are made for. That's what they're there for. That's what they love to do. Um, and you're not going to get that anywhere else. So we'd love for you to support our sponsors as they support us.
2: All right. Every single line on hold ready to go. We'll get to your calls in just a moment. But again, 10th Caller wins that gift certificate from Sorgles, 412 922 Back with more on Jessica Wallace are in your Organic Gardeners. And still to come, Todd Shibandi from Davy Tree.
1: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 10 Funny,
2: KDKA. All right, congratulations to Anna from the North Side, winner of that gift certificate, to Sorgles. Anything else you'd like to add, Jessica, before we go to the phone?
0: No, sir. Let's talk to the people.
2: Kay, North Hills, up first. She's in a real pickle, no pun intended. Hey, Kay.
0: Good morning.
3: I, uh, Jessica, I planted pickles. Um, the first year I planted them, they were beautiful. They grew up my fence, and I had pickles for a long time. The last two years, both times those pickles grew. They were on the fence with pickles on them, and then all of a sudden my – my vines started dying. Yep. And do you know what happened and what I can do?
0: Absolutely, Kay. For once, it's an easy question Woohoo for me, but it's a hard solution for you. So okay. uh, those cucumber vines uh, had bacterial wilt. Now, bacterial wilt is a bacterial disease. It's extremely common. It only affects members of the cucumber family, uh, so it's not going to spread to tomatoes or anything like that. But it spreads really easily from plant to plant via the cucumber. Cucumber beetles as they feed on The plant so the cucumber beetles Are little tiny about a quarter of an inch Long and they're sort of bright yellowy Green and they have either spots On them or stripes on them depending On the species and they do feed A little bit on the blossoms and on The leaves but usually their feeding Damage doesn't do you know it's not too Significant it's more the fact that they spread This bacterial wilt so A lot of people think they have to battle the Cucumber beetles but in fact what you should Be doing is you should be planting a variety variety. variety of cucumbers that's resistant to bacterial wilt so no matter what happens with those beetles the plant and the vine is not going to succumb to the bacterial wilt so this would be varieties like county fair which is an excellent pickling cucumber Uh, county fair is a good one Uh, saladin s-a-l-a-d-i-n is another good one there's one called diva and there's one called Marketmore 76. And those are probably the four easiest to find varieties of cucumbers that are resistant to bacterial wilt. So if you plant those, they will not succumb to that disease.
3: So it doesn't matter that I planted burpee seeds, I have to get these special ones.
0: Well, there may be other, there are definitely other varieties out there that are resistant to bacterial wilt. Whether or not the ones that you planted are, I don't know. Okay. You would have to check that seed packet. Uh, Or the pot tag and see if it has usually like little code letters on there. And for bacterial wilt, I believe it's BW. And if it has that BW on there, then it is a bacterial wilt resistant variety. But I'd certainly, if I were you, I would hedge my bets and I would go and I would get some of the seeds of one of the varieties I just mentioned and plant those in addition To the ones that you planted, Um, because that's another thing you can do. You can always plant, uh, never plant all one variety. Plant a couple different varieties, because they have different tolerance levels, and that way you're kind of hedging your bets.
4: Okay. All right? Okay, thank you very much, Thanks, Kay.
2: All right, let's go to Frank. Frank, you're up next. Good morning.
5: Good morning. Um, I just have two small questions and a big thank you for Jessica uh, for some advice I got in the past. Anyhow, uh, we have a hydrangea, I believe it's a hydrangea bush out in the front of our house, and we cut it down all the way down every year, and it grows back nicely. Unfortunately, the past year or so, it grows back, but it's just all the leaves. There's no flowers. Mm -hmm. And we just wondered why no flowers come
0: back. Right, because you're cutting off all of the blooms. So if it's one of the big pink or blue, what we call a mophead hydrangea, which is a big ball-shaped flowers, sort of the old-fashioned looking hydrangea, those actually produce their blooms and develop their blooms on the growth from the previous year. So what looks like dead brown twigs to you early in the spring are actually holding the flower buds for this season. So when you cut it back, when you cut off all those sticks, you're cutting off the flowers for this year. So, We cut
5: it back in the fall.
0: Right. So same thing. All of those branches that you cut off were holding the blooms for this season. Okay, so so what do we do? You don't prune. (laughs) That's number one. Don't prune. The best pruning for that type of hydrangea is no pruning at all. Um, just
5: let it just keep growing, and then maybe next year we should get flowers.
0: Absolutely, yes. Now, that's not to say, that's not a guarantee, because we get these late freezes in the spring. We get really cold temperatures in the winter. You know, then all bets are off. But typically with those types of hydrangeas, we say don't prune at all, because you could be cutting off the flowers.
5: Okay, my second question, in the back I have a little slope, and I have uh, pachysandra. And it's only happened this year that we get, I believe it's a weed. Um, it's a, a, a. It grows straight up, and there's like a little blue flower on the top, and the leaves look, it's hard to explain on the phone, the leaves look like either like a seashell or like a Japanese hand fan, you know, like when you fan yourself. Okay. But you know what kind of weed that is? I, would... I believe it's a weed, It's all it, and it's all through the Pacassandra. We never saw it before, and it's it's spreading all over the place. The leaves are like in clusters, and the weed will grow straight up, <clears throat> excuse me, and there will be like a blue, bluish flower okay. on the top.
0: So blue is one of the most common flower colors, and in the plant species, that tend to be weedy. So you might have to do a little bit of research just from your description. You know, at first, I was thinking it might be common day flower, but then as you're describing how quickly it spreads, I'm thinking it might be... something called creeping Charlie or otherwise known as ground ivy. Um, what you're going to have to do is probably just Google – I would Google fast-spreading weed with blue flowers and look at all the pictures that come up and see if you can, you know, match it up with whatever is growing in that uh, pachysandra. But if okay, it's – Okay, gra- and one it's... thing
5: to thank you. Uh-huh. I called a couple of weeks ago, and I was, I said I was going to plant, uh, like, tomatoes and peppers and everything, and I was going to dig the ground out and, you know, add some better soil. And you said, no, put down the 10 layers yep. of newspaper. Yep that worked like a charm. Good. Was, but we don't have a weed inside. We used to get weeds there. You know, I guess, you know, the seeds blowing through the air or whatever, Yep. but this year there isn't a weed to be found that worked perfectly. Good. And, and you, I'm just bringing it up too. So maybe other people could take advantage and make sure they use that. That worked like a charm.
0: Yeah. Good. And you'll see that you'll get pretty well, you know, season long control. Now it doesn't stop if obviously there's, you know, weeds outside of the garden that the, you know, the bird sure. drops there or whatever. But for the most part, and then every year, just add more newspaper and a new layer of organic matter on top. And you just keep so just building. Keep, keep
5: that up yep. every year.
0: Absolutely. Yep.
5: Yeah, it worked perfectly. Thank you.
0: Great. All right. Thank you.
2: Don't you like it when that happens?
0: I do, right? When something works, it's like, woohoo.
2: All right. Let's go to <laughs> Kim. That's your kind of new signature now. Woo Woo-hoo. Yeah, let's go to Kim and McCandless for Jessica Wallace, or dug off today. The Organic Gardeners' Todd Shibandi, Davy Tree, within 15 minutes. Go ahead, Kim.
3: Hi, hey, Jessica.
4: I um, have a big maple tree, very old and tall, in front of my house. And I've planted some astilbe and, and uh, pulmonaria under there. And I'm wondering if you really want to plant anything under a tree, Does that compete for water or?
0: It definitely does. And you can basically in your head, imagine that tree as being a giant straw because it has just the the foliage canopy is constantly thirsty and it's constantly sucking up water out of that soil. So anything that you do plant under the base of a tree that large is going, there's going to be a ton of competition with the tree roots, not just for space, but actually for that moisture in the soil. A stilby is probably one of the worst plants You can put under a big tree like that, I'm sorry to say, uh, because it just gets totally crispy when it's dry, and uh, it really has a hard time in those conditions. There are some plants that do thrive in that dry shade uh, or survive in that dry shade, and it would be things like uh, variegated Solomon seal. Or uh, one of my favorites is a ground cover called epimedium, which is also known as barrenwort. Uh, Ajuga will sometimes do okay in those conditions. Um, uh, Lamium, which is another ground cover. So, you know, it it's the thing is it requires a lot of work because you're going to have to be adding supplemental water. You're going to have to sort of be coddling them. They're not going to spread nearly as fast as they would spread in a garden setting. Um, so it's possible with the right plant choice, but for me, under the canopy of a tree that large. I would rather just, you know, put a couple inches of mulch, a nice bench, and maybe do some containers under there. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Hey, Jessica, thank you very much. All right, thank you. All
2: right, text message, how is the best way to germinate an olive tree?
0: That is a really good question, and it's not from one of the olives that you buy in the store. Um, That's not going to (laughs) work because usually they're pickled or processed in some way. Uh, So just going and buying a pitted olive and growing it is you're not going to have a lot of success. Um, Olives just typically don't do well here because we don't have that nice Mediterranean climate. Um, So I would say... I wouldn't personally, myself, I wouldn't mess around with it too much. You can probably buy viable olive seeds, you know, from a source on the Internet. But whether or not it's worth your time, you know, that's kind of up to you.
2: All right. we got another dollar bank instant access. Always enjoy the show, Jessica Doug. I have a large koi pond, which I use no chemicals. I rinse my filter out and have been saving a sludge of algae and diluted for about four parts of water as fertilizer supplements to my plants. Am I doing any harm to the plants and obviously the fish by adding too much nitrogen?
0: I don't think so, no. I mean, it sounds like you're just kind of making a a tea out of it, let's just say, and not adding the algae directly to the garden. I believe that's what the that said, right? The, so Yes. Yeah. So if you're just sort of making a tea out of it, I don't actually know how many nutrients you're getting out of it that way. Um, I would actually prefer to see you take that algae and put it on the compost pile and let it break down uh, with other mixed ingredients in there, some fall leaves or straw, whatever else you have from the yard, uh, and, and use that resulting compost in the garden. I think you'll have better effects that way rather than uh, using that ki- kind of a tea. I'm, I'm not really sure how much nutrition you would get out of steeping it like that and you know you certainly don't want to steep it too long because then you get the wrong kind of bacteria in there and it can become an issue
2: All right, so we got about a minute before the break so what are you up to and I know you got a big appearance coming up in Wilkinsburg
0: I do uh, on Saturday this coming Saturday June 10th I'll be at My Garden Dreams which is an urban farm and nursery in Wilkinsburg and I'm going to be doing a uh, demonstration on how to make a really cool planter made out of this product called HyperTufa which is sort of uh like it con- looks like concrete but it's much much lighter and it's really fun to make it's kind of like making mud pies so i hope you can join me for that class it's 11am on saturday and you can call my garden dreams for more information their number is 412 412- 501
2: Farm. That's 412-501-3276. right, we got about a minute before the break. Todd Shibandi coming up after CBS Radio News update latest on the London Bridge attack. We can tell you that seven people are dead, 48 injured, and some of those with injuries have life-threatening injuries, and also we know that the three assailants were shot and killed by London police within eight minutes of arriving on the scene. So more coming up on that, and then Todd Shabande. Of all the trees, what would you say the top two are the most difficult to actually raise from the Time you plant them in the ground? What do you think, Jess?
0: Oh, that is a really good question. Peach Rob. tree. Peach
2: tree got to be one, you think?
0: A peach tree. Well, peach trees. Uh, Doug has a friend who always likes to say that peach trees will ba- break your heart. It's not that they're incredibly easy to or difficult to grow. It's more that uh, they're hard to grow organically. It's hard to get good peaches organically. Um, I do it at my yard, but it does require quite a bit of time and effort to do. So the trees themselves aren't hard to grow, but it is sometimes challenging to get the fruit. But as far as trees go, you know, it goes back to you got to pick something that's hardy here, pick something that thrives here, and then you have to care for it properly. And, you know, you can grow any hardy tree here as long as you're willing to put in the time and effort.
2: All right. Todd Davy dot com to find out more within minutes. Also, CBS Radio News, the latest on the London terrorist attack. We'll take a break, but if you'd like to join Jessica and Todd, especially with those tree questions, call now at 866 391 10 20 dollar bank instant access kdk.com. We have lines available 866 391 10 20 dollar bank instant access Duck. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company.
1: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green, the organic gardeners. This is Radio 1040.
2: Katie. Ah, yes it is. It is time for Davey Tree and Todd Shibondi. His lovely daughter Olivia is here today. And Jessica and him have a lot to get to. So let's start right now. Jessica, go.
0: We do indeed. Good morning, Todd. Thank morning. you so much Thanks for, for joining me. us.
6: Absolutely. Always
0: have a good time here. Now, we yeah. were we were speaking earlier in the show about the, the, the perils of volcano mulch, which is piling mulch <laughs> up around the base of a tree so it looks like the tree is growing out of a volcano. Right. And one of the issues that I said can crop up is something that you guys see all the time out in your world. Probably
6: work. number one problem I see at almost every single day we could walk on to ten proper, properties, excuse me, and probably at least nine of them have the, the same issue. Um and volcano mulch it is. The good news is this is a correctable issue. Um you know we we're out there, we're looking at these things and I, I heard you guys earlier say, you know, there's a lot of things you can do on the property you're spending a lot of money even rob mentioned you're spending a lot of money on uh the mulch and doing the right things and even sometimes probably some of the plants are you know pretty expensive so you love these plants you put your time your money and your effort into them let's make sure we're doing the right things to keep them growing uh properly and not doing things that are that are uh, going to be a detriment to them the other side of this so there are some trees that are just Inherently misbehaviors. Red sunset, red maple. You can do everything possible to make sure that that tree is not over mulched, you know, uh, watered properly, fertilized, everything. But they, uh, for some reason, they always have a a hard time growing girdling roots right around the trunk of the tree. So you see these big fibrous root mats around there. Bad things all all the time. every day of the week, unfortunately. So
0: when we talk about girdling roots, which obviously is one of the side effects of this volcano mulch. So this is essentially when the root, instead of going out into the soil and creating like a nice flare out into the soil, instead it sort of circles around on itself. So it eventually, essentially chokes out that trunk. As the tree grows larger, that root gets tighter like a noose around the the base of that trunk. So if you, let's say you're out there and you're you're going out right now and you're going to clear that volcano mulch away and you come across a large root that looks like it's doing just that it's starting to kind of grow around the trunk what do you do to fix it at that
6: point? First and foremost, call me. Okay. <laughs> no, All right. And the only reason I say that uh, there's a lot of times this, this condition can be corrected, but uh, the, the unfortunate thing is it's kind of like invasive surgery. You don't know what you're getting into until you really dig in and see what's underneath there. You know, if you have a containerized pot, you pull it out of the pot and the roots are just wrapped around, you know, you, you on your own, you can kind of, you know, break that apart and, and get it down into the soil. Girdling roots can really be impactful, especially if they're growing right up against the trunk and tight sometimes you'll see uh some swelling uh occurring around the trunk of the tree so um definitely give us a call or get you know get your local arborist involved in this process because the unfortunate thing is uh, there are times where it can be corrected. There's times where you, you it's better just left alone.
0: Okay. So. And it's interesting because uh, there's a restaurant that we go to a lot um, in Swickley on the main drag. Yeah. And there's a building there, and I don't even know what the building is used for anymore, but there, there's a big magnolia tree out okay. in the front of it. Yeah. And every time I park nearby, I look at the base of this magnolia tree, and I can see that at one time there uh. were was a girdling root, and okay. somebody cut it. because oh, somebody had foresight. Great. Exactly, because there's like a little, little stump in the ground. There yeah. from that root where it was cut off, and it, awesome. and I think about if somebody hadn't noticed that that beautiful magnolia tree wouldn't be around to, to show the beautiful blooms. Well, so. I
6: could take you to uh, many many trees that I have you know severed girdling roots and, and you know they're still standing today because of that. Thankfully, you mm-hmm. know.
0: So so let's talk about another way that we can prevent this from happening, right. aside from making sure we mulch properly. Right. And this is something that can take place at planting time which mm-hmm. is what we do the our own actions as we're planting right. these trees how does that influence
6: well, yeah, and I think we kind of touched on that a little bit. You know, making sure those roots are splayed out or laid out. Um, they're not encircling around. Um, you know, whenever you're planting, dig a big hole. If if you think it's big enough, dig it a little bit more. Not deep, so, though, not a just de- Not a deep hole, just wide, exactly. Um, open up that soil porosity. Make sure that it has nice, and it's nice and airy and loose. If you think about where trees grow out in their, you know, natural habitat. I don't want to say native, but in their natural habitat, um, they're in that nice, you know, thick or or, uh, the loamy soil a lot of times it you know has a lot of micronutrients and it's real airy Um, you want to make sure that that soil is nice and aerated so that the roots can get out into there tamp it down so that there's not too much air in there but Mm -hmm. make sure that they're able to get out into the soil especially i think western pennsylvania we have a little bit of clay if i'm not mistaken
0: (laughs) (laughs) he says with great sarcasm we have a lot more than a little bit of clay
6: i would say yeah
0: so now what you talked about with a potted tree how you really want to cut into those roots literally and and rip them apart so that you're loosened but i know you don't want to do that if it's wrapped in burlap and the twine, what we call a bald and burlap tree.
6: Yeah, bald and burlap. That's
0: a little different, right? You want to keep that root ball intact. As
6: much as possible, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, The containerized plants, a lot of times you do have to break those apart, but the bald and burlap, even if they're small bald and burlap plants, you you want to try to keep that root ball as, as intact as possible. So cause, because a lot of that root mass has been lost in the actual digging process, you know, they don't get a lot of those fibrous roots because of the the methods of, uh, re- you know, exhuming them from the ground. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, there, there's uh, ways of, of managing that. And again, call us, we can help you, you know, work through the process. If you're thinking about planting trees, we plant a lot of trees, and it's one thing that I love doing. Um, but let's, you know, if you're spending the money to to put them in the ground, it's a labor of love. Let's make sure we're doing everything the right way. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So. It's a
0: long-term investment, and absolutely. it's one that can really make a difference to your home value, your property value, your neighborhood's value. Oh yeah. To really make sure you have trees that are going to be around there for for decades. For a long time. You know, for sure, a long time. The cooling long time.
6: effects. You know, the, uh, you can look at the carbon sequestration from uh, the trees that are out there. Um, look at the you know stormwater uh, effects. You know that one tree may have on your property. I mean, that's, that's a huge impact on and one single tree can have on a, on a property, you know, just aside from the aesthetic value and, and obviously the love of it. so Right,
0: right. Well, listen, if you have questions about your trees, you can call us here on the program today. Or if you want more information about Davy Tree and you want to ask what's going on with your trees, you can go to davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855 982
2: all right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. We've got a couple of calls lined up for Todd as well. We'll get to them, so please stay with us. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, instant access, KDK.com. Doug
1: and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020, KDKA.
2: All right, 10th caller wins a gift certificate to Janoski's, 412-922-1020. got that homegrown goodness. Their strawberries are now ready for picking. So get out and say hello to the Janoski's at 8 o'clock today. But right now, back to Jessica Wallace or Todd Schiavone. still here from Davey Tree. And we're going right to the phones. Here's a tree question from Mike in Emlington. Go ahead, Mike. Gee, I fell asleep here waiting.
0: Uh-oh. Wake I, I, up.
2: Hey, Mike, I do that from time to time, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have... I'm not planting trees or anything, but our trees up here where we're at, we have a, some some kind of white fungus that's growing on the trees, uh, on the bark. Once it starts, it just kind of migrates over the whole tree, and it ends up killing the tree. Do you have any idea what that is and what I can do to maybe stop it?
0: So I'm guessing it's lichens.
6: That's, we both looked at each other. Lichens at the same time. <laughs> lichens,
0: yeah. So it, it and they're they're really actually nothing to worry about. You probably have a right. separate issue with your tree.
6: Yeah, usually lichens uh, show up after the fact. Um, you notice there's uh, lichens growing on the trunk, but there's usually a problem before they show up. So again, maybe it's girdling roots, maybe it's uh, leaf disease. Uh, there could be you know some bore damage. But so,
0: lichens grow on healthy trees too, right? Grow on healthy trees, and it's actually a yeah. sign of good cleaning air where you live to have lichens. It's because they don't do well in air pollution. So up in Edmonton, you got good air, you got lichens. Uh, But so this would be an example of something where he should really have an arborist come in uh, because it could be a sign that there's, if the tree's dying, obviously there's some bigger issue.
6: There could be a bigger issue. And actually, have saw will travel. So if you need a, a house call to Edmonton, I'm in. <laughs>
0: there you <laughs> go. Uh,
6: no, but honestly, you, you should have someone check that out. You know, call us, let us know, and get a look at it. Uh, because if there is an underlying issue, if there's something that, that can be taken care of beforehand, then certainly we'd we'd be able to do that. So,
1: okay. I, I don't know. It's It's not just the trees here in the yard. I have. And it's not just fruit trees, I see it right. in the woods all the time, oh, yeah, in the woods a lot, um, and it just seems like it's everywhere and I don't know what to do to try to stop it. Yeah,
0: you don't so have much. to stop it. That's the thing. I mean, lichens are, they're everywhere, all Naturally over the place. Occurring. They're just, it's sort of like moss. It yeah. exists, and it, it's just part of the ecosystem. So in and of themselves, they're absolutely nothing to worry about. Right. I've on all my trees at home, in the woods and in our yard. So they're nothing to worry about. But obviously, if the tree is dying, it's not dying from the lichens. Right. It's dying from something else that you need to have assessed. Yep. Okay?
1: All right. Thanks for all your right. call well, this Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very all right.
0: much. Thank you.
2: All right. Before we get to Ms. Snow all, a text message. Uh, New growth on clematis continues to be yellow. Do I need a supplement soil? Thanks, Joyce. Jess.
0: New growth continues to be yellow. All right. So uh, there is something called clematis wilt, but it doesn't usually turn the plant yellow. It just kind of Makes it wilt yeah. <laughs> and die, actually. Sometimes it dies and back down to the ground. would be just at
6: the ends either. It would be all over then, right, right,
0: right. So I would consider maybe a possibility of a nutritional issue, but I would not go ahead and put fertilizer on there because the issue right. could be that there's too much of a certain nutrient. So in this case, I always say, you know what? A soil test is called for. Um, you know, you pay $9 to get a soil test from the extension service. Fantastic. Have a, you know, have them take a look, analyze the soil, see if there's any excess or any deficiencies, and that will help guide you as to what needs to be added, if anything at all.
2: Now we're going to take uh, Mrs. Know-It-All.
0: Mrs. Know-It-All. This is Denise Schreiber. She is the greenhouse manager for Allegheny County Parks. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Uh, good. I wanted
4: to talk about a couple of callers who called in. Um, the lady who had the bacterial wilt, mm-hmm. um, and she made a comment about, well, she'd gotten burpee seed. It is not the company. It doesn't matter what company you get your seed from. It's actually you just want to make sure they are resistant to certain diseases. So I don't want people to think that, you know, burpee has terrible seed. No, it could come from any seed company at all. Um, And the other thing is the gentleman who called about his hydrangea, um, because that's always, I think, one of our top calls every year Mm -hmm. is about hydrangeas. So, actually, I just did a whole series on hydrangeas on my Mrs. Uh, Know-It-All page on Facebook, and they can go through each one and just see, you know, if I have this type of hydrangea, you know, what's my problem, why isn't it blooming, or, you know, how big is it going to get, so I talk about all of that. Um, You know, uh, people ask me all the time, that's why I decided to do the series. But I wanted to make sure it was the other lady, you know, that people didn't think Burpee was a bad seed company. That right. could happen from any company at all. It's you know, it's part of gardening.
0: Right. And the disease is not carried in the seed. So it's not like you're buying infected seed from somebody. It's just right. transmitted right. by those beetles. So the resistance is comes with the variety. It doesn't come necessarily from the, the seed company. So that's a very good point and good clarification. Thank you so much, Denise. All right.
2: All right, let's uh, say hi to uh, our last call of the day, LaVon in Hopewell. Go ahead. Good morning. Ah,
3: morning.
0: Hi, I just heard the
3: end of a conversation about the rubber mulch, Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) to begin the call, I just love your program. Sometimes I don't get up early enough on Sunday, (laughs) but a niece of mine has started using it, and and I want to know, what is the problem with it? Does it kill the plants? She has beautiful sayo and rhododendron
0: todd i 'll let awesome. you take this one because you see the effects of this type of mulch on plants all the time out in the field yeah
6: it it locks in heat um, it doesn 't add any type of uh, soil uh, amendments or microbial activity to the soil at all. Um, it sheds water, we call that hydrophobic where it just it, the water will you can watch it literally just run off and not penetrate down into the ground level, but the biggest part of that I think is the fact that it holds heat. And it's uh, you know it's a, it's a toxic. It, you're sounds putting a like it does
3: more more harm than good. It, oh, absolutely. It, does. Yeah, it absolutely does. That, you well, know, so. she's talking. She's talking now about putting in a row of trees in her yard. Yeah. And I thought if she uses that rubber mulch, I'm afraid she'll kill them. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it's you know the rubber mulch was originally invented sort of for use uh, in uh, on like you know in a parking lot where people were right. walking over it all the time. Some yeah. people Come use it in a playground, traffic, which is yeah. somewhere yeah. by side the road where you don't want. Weeds. Exactly yeah. right, right. <laughs> it never decomposes. Right. That's the other thing. It's around forever and ever and all of eternity, and it can contain some compounds that can be dangerous yeah. to, to and plants and, and, and as far sense.
3: as your blooming rhododendron, I know in the past that I've had shrubbery, and if you don't trim them right after they're done blooming. You may as well forget seeing any flowers.
0: Yep, absolutely. That's one of the plants that should be pruned right now. Rhododendrons and azaleas and your lilacs, you prune them right now so that you will have blooms for next Thanks year. All right. Yep. We've
3: we
2: got a couple of minutes left and no call. So let's just ask the following question. You're going to plant some trees around the house for the first time. You're a new homeowner. What's the best way to start, Todd?
6: Call me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know and it's this is, can happen even before it comes to calling you and right. that is researching what the right tree right is tree,
6: i was going to say that too the right tree for the site you know even though you may love uh you know uh american holly putting it three inches from the house, that may not be the best idea. Um, <laughs> Definitely you know, not the best American idea. <laughs> holly will be, you know, 100 foot at maturity. So that's a big tree. Uh, but realistically, look into and see what kind of textures you like, what works with your landscape. Um, you know, are, are there fruiting varieties maybe that you like? But realize also, you know, if you're planting something with a lot of fruit, you don't want it by the driveway or high pedestrian areas because there's tripping hazards with that. Maybe it's falling on the car.
2: You know, the average person issues, has so. no clue about any of this stuff. You, you realize, right? See it every
6: day, Rob. I mean, we, that's we, we <laughs> but live I mean, in I mean see it every day,
2: so. do you do, do stuff like this? I mean, if they call and say, just give yeah, me some advice and come absolutely. over and plant some trees, we because we always talk about you know pruning, fixing, replacing. Yeah. We've never really talked about you guys doing that's, that. That's talk true. about that,
6: yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we source out a lot of trees. You know, try again, trying to find the right tree for the site. Maybe somebody says, hey, well, I like a yellow tree. You know try good luck trying to find a yellow tree if you go to a lot of the local uh, nurseries you know maybe they have something that works but may not be the best tree call me we can source out uh trees we actually have a tree farm out in ohio they have beautiful trees uh you know acres and acres of trees so um we we can find them if they're out there we'll search them down we'll find them for you so um and find again the right tree for the site so um we've seen and i even told jessica just a little bit ago we've seen a lot of frost damage out there this year don't be worried about it. We'll, it's something that the tre- most of the trees will recover. Again, kind of call us and let us know, but we can get out there, take a look at things, and hopefully find you some good trees to plant in the ground.
2: See, that's nice to know. Yeah. I did not know that you do that. You know, yeah. you, I've always appreciated stuff because I am kind of like Walter Mitty or Forrest Gump, but trees <laughs> this time of year are really a beautiful thing. No doubt about that. Just standing See. back, you know, when it, just before like a little storm kicks up or something, yeah. you know, you realize how blessed we are to be in this world
6: favorite time of the year to climb, spring and fall. Usually the spring is better just because you get out there. You get to see the trees, you get to see the flowers, all the things that are going on. A lot of the pollinators, mm-hmm. huge topic right now, but you get to see them actually doing their jobs. It's fantastic. What
2: happens if someone obviously has some wildlife living in a tree, like an owl or something like that, and they want to maybe you know do some pruning or what have you, but obviously they're not a wildlife expert. What do they do? Who do they call?
6: Well, we actually work with a couple of different people. Uh, we, we have a, 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 a bee Expert um, that that works with us. We took down a tree several years ago. There was a honeybee uh, hive inside of there, and we relocated that to the Pittsburgh Bee Apiary. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, But you know, we run into wildlife Um, over at one of the country clubs we work at. There was some hawks in the in the tree. Oh, cool! Kind of scary, to be honest with you. They're uh, quite foreboding uh, animals. Whenever whenever you're ten feet away, we left them alone. That's one for the
2: hawk. Nothing for David. (laughs) Oh yeah,
6: no, I'm I'm not messing with that one. (laughs) All right,
2: listen to your lovely daughter Olivia. uh, uh, thank you so much, okay? Thank you guys for having us. Uh, all right, Jess and I, we're going to come back and wrap it up next.
1: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green, the Organic Gardeners. This is Radio Ten Twenty KDKA.
0: Don't forget to come see me on Saturday, June 10th at uh, Garden Dreams, Urban Farm and Nursery in Wilkinsburg. I will be teaching you how to make a really cool hyper tufa planters that you can use in your garden. You can get more information by emailing them info at mygardendreams.com. It's at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And remember, the organic gardeners always aim to teach you how to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live.
6: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.